greatest symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production.
Hello and welcome to the Hogan Era Podcast right here on the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcasting empire. I'm your host, of course, J.P. John Paz, and this is, of course, airing right on the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcast feed with this Hogan Era Podcast. Each and every week, we're talking about the biggest moments in the biggest era in the history of the business, and that is not the Golden Era, folks. That is the Hogan Era from 1984 to 1993 was the hottest era in the business and it was all predicated on one man and one man only the immortal hulk hogan the babe ruth of wrestling the god of wrestling the hulkster himself the man that put more butts in the seats than anyone else in the history of the business the man that made more money than anyone else in the history of the business the biggest draw in the history of the business the hulkster each and every week we're talking about different things in the hogan era in that 10-year period where he was just the most dominant force on the universe, we will be breaking down a ton of the feuds and the other great stars of the era. This week will be no different as we will be focusing in on Sid Justice. You may know him as Sid Vicious. You may know him as Psycho Sid or just Sid. But for this time period and this feud in this era, he is known as Sid Justice. When Sid comes in to the WWF all the way back in 1991, the interesting thing is Vince views him as the guy who's going to replace the Hulkster. So you have to have that in your mind right now as you're thinking about this feud and you think like, okay, you know, where did he end up? Where, you know, where did he really end up in the long run, the scheme of things, former world champion, multiple times you know legend in the business but where did vince see him initially as the man that was going to take over for the hulkster he literally saw him as the next hulk at one point he saw that in the warrior and that faded and then when he saw sid he saw that in sid sid's debut in the wbf july 8th 1991 wrestling challenge from Calgary, Alberta, Canada, in the legendary Saddle Dome, he defeats in less than six minutes the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase, who at that point is a huge star, main event player. Maybe not so much anymore. You could say upper mid-card, but was a main event player, huge star in wrestling. And Sid's debut, I know it's it's a dark match, and I know you know people are you know probably missed it, but when you initially bring the guy in in this first match in is against DiBiase, and he beats him quickly. I mean, man, it, it's one of those things where you're like, okay, there's something destined here. Like this guy is destined to be more than just, you know, mid card or, or, Hey, this guy's got potential. This guy is destined to be in the main event. And as he moves along, you know, he beats typhoon really on his first TV match on July 30th, 1991. He beats Cato. He beats Hercules. He beats DiBiase again. He even beats the undertaker in a casket match. On the house show. So man, his his debut is kind of going along pretty damn smoothing smoothingly. And what's gonna happen is he's really gonna be working his way into the main event rather quickly. Now, as far as the Hulkster is concerned, we know that guys have come and gone. We know he's seen guys and there were flashes in the pan. And you know, he looks at the guys and he's like, Okay, I don't know what Vince sees in him, but you know, we'll run with it. We'll, we'll, we'll see. And then Vince will see that he's wrong and that I'm still the man and we'll go from there. And that happened uh, quite a bit for a little bit. 
you know, Savage got the ball. For a little bit, Warrior got the ball. But in essence, Hogan, throughout the whole Hogan era, is the man. He's the guy. He's the mantelpiece. He's the guy that every everybody else is kind of running through. Like I always say in this show, when he's at the top of the mountain, is at the top of the heap, everyone else falls into place below him. Yes, all these other guys are gods of wrestling. Yes, they're all awesome. Yes, the Macho Man is one of the best ever. But the Hulkster needs to be at the top of the mountain, at least in the long run, at least for the chunk of the time. Yeah, you can change it up and have different guys as champion. You can have Ric Flair come in and be the champion for a little bit, which we'll get into. But in essence, you need the Hulkster as the number one guy, the head honcho there. The Hulkster is is the man. And as we're kind of going through here, we'll see each and every week all the different dragons he slays, all the different big men he slays. And Sid, yes, he's destined to be the guy that's going to take over for the Hulkster, but what happens first? Where do we start with this? And we start as Sid Justice as a referee. Yeah, we're Like I mentioned, he's winning all the matches. He's basically undefeated. He has a King of the Ring 91, which isn't televised, isn't popularized until King of the Ring goes and becomes more popularized in 1983. But he has a double DQ against Undertaker in King of the Ring 91. And he's eliminated from that tournament. So really leading up to SummerSlam, he's undefeated. I mean, he's not losing many matches at all. And really, in his WWF tenure, he doesn't really start losing a lot of matches till till really towards the almost like the end of his run. And I'm talking about like the the second run. I'm talking about like the '97, because when he's there to begin with, I mean, he's basically dominant in his run until early '92 when he starts losing to Undertaker, but all via DQ and all on house shows. And the only real matches that that he loses to Undertaker without being a DQ would be casket matches. So it's not like he's getting pinned here and it's not like they're, they're, you know, making him any weaker. He is just going on, on a tear. I mean, he really doesn't lose many matches at all in, in that first run. And you think about even Hogan, Hogan's not beating him either. And we'll get to that later on, but even Hogan isn't beating him. So it's very, very interesting to see like Vince's, thought process and in Vince's eyes because you're like wow okay like this guy is not only kind of you know really like dominant but he's freaking undefeated like eventually towards the end of 92 he loses the ultimate warrior but that's even by DQ so in essence his like not being pinned not being submitted streak goes all the way through his entire run from 91 92 pretty pretty amazing when you think about it especially considering he's about to feud with the Hulkster and you think the end game is going to be a loss to the Hulkster, but no, it is not. So let's go to SummerSlam 1991, and let's kind of start it off. It's a three-on-two handicap match, and Sid Justice is a special referee. Hogan and the Warrior defeat the Triangle of Terror, Colonel Mustafa, General Adnan, and the leader, Sergeant Slaughter, in about 13 minutes. That's, of course, a part of SummerSlam 91, a match made in heaven, a match made in hell from Madison Square Garden in New York City. So right, right then and there, you think you got Hogan and, and Warrior, the two top dogs. Warrior wants more money. He wants Hogan money. They go backstage. Warrior gets fired because he demanded the money before the match or he's not going out there. So you still have Sid, and you, you plant the seed for Sid, and they do all the posing at the end. Hogan must pose. He poses with Warrior and Sid. Soon as Sid walks through the cape, or excuse me, uh, Warrior walks through the curtain, he's fired. And then what you think you have here is Hogan and Sid as the two top baby faces with Savage and a few others kind of you know dangling there and eventually Bret Hart. So we go 
to um, the World Wrestling Federation's Royal Rumble 1992. And that's really where the feud kicks off. Because the, the SummerSlam 91 match, he's the referee. They're teasing stuff. Nothing kind of happens. They're kind of building, very, very slowly building something here with Sid. So with Sid and Hogan, the first major issue between Sid and, and the Hulkster come really in a very controversial moment. And it's not controversial for Sid to heal or almost like the tweener, really, at this point. It's kind of more controversial towards Hulk. So Sid eliminates Hogan as the final three in the 1992 Royal Rumble match with the WWF Championship on the line. It is vacated because of what happened at SummerSlam, excuse me, Survivor Series 91 with The Undertaker cheating, Ric Flair putting the chair out, Undertaker giving the tombstone, he beats Hogan. Then Hogan controversial pins Undertaker and beats him at this Tuesday in Texas. Jack Tunney says there's way too much controversy going around the title. I'm vacating it. And putting it on the line in a historical moment at Royal Rumble 1992. The best Royal Rumble. If somebody tries to tell you differently, they are nuts. This is the best Rumble. Love Heenan on commentary. Just This match is perfect. So many former world champions are in it. It is epic. It is great. It is 62 minutes of joy. It is a great match. I love it. Of course, it's every man for himself at the Knickerbock Arena in Albany, New York. Royal Rumble 92. And that is January 19th, 1992. The final three men, of course, Hogan, Sid, and Flair. If you want to get technical, Savage was the fourth man. So that's the greatest final four ever in the history of the Royal Rumble. There's no doubt about that. And if you even go to the final five, you had Piper. So, I mean, it is unbelievable, the final guys. And then you want to say six, you got Martell. I mean, unbelievable if you think about the level of talent and the awesome wrestlers that are in there towards the end of that Royal Rumble. So what you got here is... You've got Hogan, Sid, and Flair, and Sid, because it's every man for himself. Let's be honest. If you're you're looking at this logically, Sid did nothing wrong. Yes, maybe he's been a tweener. Yes, you know, we love the Hulkster, but that's the whole thing of the match. It's every man for themselves. Sid eliminates the Hulkster, but that's not it. As Sid is standing there and kind of almost laughing at Hogan, but almost saying, like, I got you, you know, I eliminated you. You're out of here, Hulk. Hogan then was so upset that he grabs Sid's arm and he helps Ric Flair eliminate Sid from the Royal Rumble, which gives Ric Flair not only the win, but he now wins the WWF World Heavyweight Championship that was vacated by Jack Tunney, that no good Jack Tunney, and Flair's the greatest uh, promo, or Flair has one of the greatest promos afterwards in the back in the greatest moments of, of his life winning the WWF World Heavyweight Championship. But think about Hulk and Sid. They can almost take away from Flair winning because they're fighting in the ring. They're really, you know, brawling and, and pushing each other. And all the agents and all the referees run out to separate them. And, you know, that kind of takes away from Flair's moment just a little bit. But it also shines light on to, wow, Hogan's next feud seems like it's going to be Sid. Because I can't believe that, you know, he really pulled Sid out of the ring when Sid kind of justly and fairly eliminates him because every man for themselves. So that is really where the controversy starts. And it almost starts with Hogan pulling the heel move and Sid being the baby face. So Sid had really kind of been furious, obviously, with Hogan because because if it's him and Flair one-on-one, he thinks he's winning that. He thinks he's going to dump Flair over and he thinks he's going to be the WF champion, but that is not to be. So Sid really, think about it, did nothing wrong. Flair eliminates him. He wins. Hogan kind of 
pulls a heel tactic by pulling a Sid, and that creates a big rift between those two. And Sid a, reveals in many interviews that Hogan was being booed for months in the house show loops, and he should have been the one that turned babyface, and Hogan should turn heel. I don't know about that. I don't know if it would have worked, but that, that's what Sid said in interviews and what he thought that maybe that they were going to reverse it. Sid was starting to get cheered and Hogan was starting to get booed on the house shows. I don't think it was significant enough to do that turn. Hogan's still a God. Hogan's still a man. Hogan's not going for that, especially in 1992. At that point, he is not doing that. But WB fans maybe alienated Hogan for the first time since he became a face in the company. So you figure 1984 all the way to 92, eight, nine years, really, in essence, nine full years almost. But or really, well, we'll just, just for the sake of argument, we'll say eight full years. He's a pure baby face, never got booed once. Everybody loves him. Now they're starting to see a little bit of maybe Hulkamania is getting old at this point. Maybe a little bit of, hey, I don't know if we're really enjoying this Hulkamania run as much as we should. And he did kind of just cheat with Sid there. So maybe for the first time ever, we're starting to see a chink in the armor as far as Hulkamania is concerned. But of course, WB, smartly and rightly, didn't completely turn Hogan and they didn't completely turn Sid either. So they're not really against each other, even though they had the ugly ending to the Royal Rumble match, even though they're face to face and hate each other, they're both not fully fledged babyface heel. There was no turn there as of yet. They're both still basically Sid's kind of a tweener, more of a babyface, and Hulk is still the number one guy, the number one babyface. So Randy Savage, as we know, ultimately ends up challenging Ric Flair for the WWE Championship of WrestleMania 8. But Hogan first receives a title shot anybody remembers that awesome press conference where hogan initiates and, and, and innovates the yes chant when jack tunney says the number one contender for rick flair's championship wrestlemania 8 is hulk Hogan, and he says yes yes and we get the whole uh great moment there i love that press conference one of my favorite moments in wb i don't know why and, and my friends know this i don't know why i just love going back and watching that it's just so funny and so cool sid's face is great you got all the major uh, guys are there savage there and piper's there just so cool and you get all these huge names there it's just a funny moment because you don't think he's gonna say hogan and he says that hogan deserves a title shot that no good jack tunney the WWE president at the time felt that Hogan deserved the match, even though Sid was the one that was robbed by Hogan. So the issues between these two really grew here and they got worse and worse and worse. And then eventually Jack Tunney agrees to putting Sid and Hogan in the match against each other and giving Savage the title shot against Ric Flair instead. Now this is going to be a different story for a different day. And, and this will be the Ric Flair episode. We'll get into that. Why it wasn't Hogan Flair, even though it was originally supposed to be Hogan Flair as the main event at WrestleMania eight. And that's a big, what if, and we'll talk about it a little bit later on as it being a, what if uh, scenario here in the, in the Hogan era. But I think that's much too deep of a topic. Uh, I feel like we can delve into that much further of why they went in that direction, but everything was kind of laid out. You think about it. It could have been Sid Undertaker. It could have been, uh, you know, many different matches, many different directions. Savage versus Jake the snake, I think would have been great. Hogan versus Flair. So think about that at the top of the bill. You got Hogan, Flair, Sid Undertaker, Savage, Jake, and then you finish all those feuds up and you kind of go from there. But as we know, Hogan's kind of 
doing his thing. He's going to go off and do some acting and do some movie roles. Sid is going to turn full-blown heel. Undertaker is going to turn face. Jake the Snake is going to feud with Undertaker. Savage is going to go after the world title with Flair. So they go in a completely different direction. And both directions make sense, to be honest. They made both directions make sense and, and was was well done. And Pat Patterson is not there at the time. So J.J. Dillon, who is the booker of this WrestleMania, and if you go back into the uh, TMPT archives, they got the uh, the JJ, the JJ Dillon podcast, where we talk all about that moment and the pressure on him and being the booker there at that point. So a lot of pressure put on JJ then and there. But before we kind of go into that and the what if, I'll b- mention that briefly. But the friendship of Hulk and Sid was really kind of put to the test at Saturday night's main event when the duo would face the immortal excuse me the the dead man the undertaker and the nature boy rick flair there was so much star power in this match it really created so much interest but the fans i think and me as a fan too i sensed something was awry there something was was going to turn there and and i wasn't quite knowing what was going to happen saturday night's main event number 30 from lubbock municipal coliseum in lubbock texas felt like uh, something was awry there you just felt something in the air as Hogan and Sid defeat Flair and Undertaker by DQ. But what happens there is crazy. Sid officially turns heel. He betrays Hulk Hogan by refusing to tag in the match when Hogan needed him most. Desire to see Hogan suffer turned heel Sid and started their WrestleMania 8 program. Hogan managed to win that match, like I just mentioned, via DQ by himself. Did not have Sid as a partner by his side to end the match. Man, that's a good old-fashioned heel turn if I've ever seen one. Pretty cool way to do it. Pretty cool way to go about it. Sid basically is an asshole and cements himself as as the heel in that thing, in that feud, and and turns on Hogan. Like I said, people were almost kind of sensing, and Sid even says it was almost sensing, hey, maybe Hogan turns here. Sid, you know, Vince saw is the, the next face of the company. If Hogan's on his way to make movies, maybe, you know, maybe they can do this, but there's no way in hell in, in that era Hogan's turning heel and, and he was still over like Rover then uh, for sure. Let's just talk about a few house shows, one from Minneapolis, one from Rochester, Minnesota. Hogan and Piper, which is an unbelievable team. Who the hell would think in 1992, in February of 92, that those two would be teaming? But what a team. As him and Piper, Piper and Hogan, of course, defeat Flair and Sid back-to-back nights. Then we go to February 23rd, 92, at MSG. If people have never seen this, it was on the MSG Network. It's a 20-man battle royal. Sid Justice wins it. Hulk is in the match, yes. But Sid does end up getting the victory there. So for, let's say, the next month or so we get hogan and piper versus flair and sit in a house show and man if you're at any of these shows you're pretty damn lucky because that is a star-studded real deal huge main event matchup they travel from pittsburgh to boston to rosemont illinois to mobile alabama memphis tennessee san diego california oakland california philly pa richfield ohio toronto ontario and they have all those matches for house shows, L.A., Sacramento. They're taking that match everywhere, and that's quite a main event. On 3-23-92, that match is going to headline WB at MSG once again. Match goes about 18 minutes, and Hogan and Piper get the win over Flair Sid there. They also take that match to Auburn Hills, and that is the final tag match that those two are going to have. Actually, I'm sorry, the uh, final match 
between Hogan, Piper, Flair, and Sid is in Sacramento, and that's the final one. Then they have one in Auburn Hills, Michigan. They change it up a little bit. This is even better. The Mega Powers reunite for one night. Hogan and Savage defeat Flair and Sid by a DQ, 329-1992. So awesome stuff there. And this is all leading into WrestleMania 8. That's pretty damn cool, though, if, if you think about it. Like, wow, the Mega Powers reuniting on a house show. And against Sid and Flair. Whoo-wee. That one is star-studded, to say the least. Very, very big time there. But just to go back, okay, so we're at WrestleMania 8. And this is kind of like, okay, this is the end of the line here, the end of the feud. Big what if. The scenario, like I said, in the WB for the Hogan area was Hogan versus Flair. And they're going to face off WrestleMania 8. But Flair eventually is going to feud with Savage. And I guess they changed their minds about this ultimate dream match. The ultimate dream match. The two biggest stars in wrestling. They changed their mind. Definitely the two biggest stars of the 80s. No doubt about it. So for whatever reason, Vince, as as some of the story goes, there's more of the story as, as well as far as how show returns, what Vince thought, different things like that. But there is the, the, the main narrative here. Vince really still viewed big men as the draws. And he said that Sid Hogan would do better business. And he wanted Sid Justice versus Hulk Hogan for the top attraction for the biggest show of the year. All right, kind of hard to argue because you do get the double main event of Savage, Flair, and Hogan. Sid, yeah, you can put that on the bill, and yeah, that sounds great. But, man, I, I do think you missed off or missed out here on the ultimate dream match. And they, maybe I'm crazy, but uh, that's, that's what I believe. So here... Um, as we're leading up to it, maybe the most personal moment of the Hogan versus Sid Justice feud didn't even feature Hogan in person. Sid knew Hogan was not at the venue at this point. He targets Hulk Hogan's best friend, Brutus the Barber Beefcake, on his own talk show, The Barbershop. Seems like something awesome always happened on that show, whether it be Marty and Sean or here with Sid. And on The Barbershop, Beefcake was chased off by Sid with a chair who used it to destroy the entire set. So he scares off Beefcake. He just totally destroys the set. And if you remember, he looks like he's a cocaine-filled madman as all the powder from the uh, from the barbershop is all over his face as he's calling out Hogan, going nuts, and ch- chasing off Beefcake. Hogan definitely had a, a reason for revenge. He said that this was a personal attack on him. Sid made it even more of a heated issue by threatening Hogan's best friend and ruining something that was you know special to the Hulkster. So I, I like that little personal twist to it, really adding to it. Not only did Sid turn on him on the main event, but he also went after his best friend and just tried to destroy Brutus the Barber Beefcake and ends up destroying the barber shop instead. So what happens? WrestleMania 8, friendship torn apart. Hoosier Dome in Indianapolis, Indiana. Huge crowd on hand. Hulk Hogan defeats Sid Justice by DQ in about 12 minutes. Thing is with this match, all right, it's not great, but go back and watch it. The crowd is really into it. I mean, they are really, really into this match. Hogan, when he comes out, gets a huge pop. I love that entrance way. Him making that long walk and that awesome pause where he has his hands on his hip and he's soaking it all in, showing the crowd, hey, I'm still a Hulkster and this may be my last dance or last hurrah last year in the WF, but I'm going to make it a good one. If everybody remembers that great interview that Vince does with the Hulkster and Hulk kind of teases that this could be his last and he gets a little emotional with Vince and the Hulkster there. And, and as a fan, it kind of tugs your heartstring thinking like this could be the end. This could be the end of the Hulk mania era, but what happens next kind of maybe eases that or confuses it even further. I don't know, but the fans were definitely confused when you look at WrestleMania eight, the main event between Hogan and Sid justice. Yeah. Hogan wins by TQ, but 
Sid kicks out of the, at this point, almost unbeatable leg drop. The, the finisher of the Hulkster. Sid is forced to kick out. Why? Because Papa Shango, of all people, was late for the run-in, and that caused the, you know, the screw-up there. So I don't know if it's Vince's fault, JJ's fault, whoever's fault, Papa Shango himself, but it is a 100-yard dash for Papa Shango to get from where he was to the ring. And if you don't time that right, there's going to be a screw-up. So, yes, the screw-up really was Hogan nail in the leg drop Papa Shango missing his timing Sid has to kick out the eventual DQ finish we see Papa Shango and Sid double team as Harvey Whippleman gets beat up by the Hulkster Shango and Sid beat up the Hulkster and then boom huge pop Ultimate Warriors music hits he makes the return to save the Hulkster a lot of people say this was kind of overbooked and it kind of perfectly summarized why the the entire angle missed a mark or didn't do as well as it could have. It was just too much going on really there. I mean, the warrior returning was awesome. And obviously Vince thinks, okay, Sid is going to be suspended and they know that going into the show. So that absolutely sucks. I mean, okay. Steroids is a huge thing. Steroid trial. They're coming after us. We're getting rid of all the steroid guys. We, we we're, we're kind of slowing in on, on that. Sid fails a drug test. They're really kind of, narrowing in on the drug test they bring back warrior okay maybe warrior's the guy so somewhere in the mix when sid first comes in till till wrestlemania 8 vince kind of thought sid was the man thought he was the guy replacing hogan and no sid ran out of favor sid would be pretty much suspended after this and we wouldn't see sid much after wrestlemania 8 and you think about it okay that really, really sucks because if Sid was going to be a cornerstone, if Sid was going to be a big part of the WWF moving forward, man, that hurts. Like it, it, it's just terrible. And then I'll, I'll get to it in a bit. The softball <laughs> part of it, which is interesting, which Sid says not true, but that's kind of interesting as well. So what we have here is they know Sid is going to get popped. But he still does a European tour. He fights Undertaker, and it's a double count on every show all along the tour, all through April. Then we get to the end of April. We get a house show in Boston. We get a house show in Baltimore. And Warrior, who's going to be kind of the, the next Hogan, and almost going back to Warrior after thinking, okay, nope, we got to go back to Hogan. Warrior's not the guy. They almost go, okay, you're going to go film a movie. Let's try this again. They bring Warrior back once again in 92, and we're going to learn. Uh, towards november 92 that's not gonna end end well quietly quite frankly at all so then we get um another house uh, excuse me dark match with undertaker and sid and that's going to be in glenn's falls uh, well actually excuse me that that would be sid's return in 95 so really sid's last match is baltimore maryland and he loses to ultimate warrior via DQ on April 26, 1992. And that's his last match. He gets popped for some steroids and he gets popped for drugs and he's going to be gone. So the feud with Sid and Hogan is not going to be remembered as fondly as, as Hogan's other rivals for sure. But it's just so interesting. You get a WrestleMania opponent, a guy that looks so good on the poster, Hogan versus Sid, the next Hogan versus the current Hogan, the, the new guard against the old guard, the guy with all the charisma in the world, the guy gets that, that is super over everywhere he goes, and that is Sid. It just doesn't come to pass. It's just bad timing everyone's part. Uh, maybe they should have just went with Hogan Flair. That that was a, a cluster in and of itself. 
the ending with Papa Shango missing his timing, it being a DQ to end WrestleMania sucks. Sid having to kick out of the leg drop maybe sucks. The Warrior coming out there was awesome and kind of saved a little bit as Hogan and Warrior posed and WrestleMania 8. And that was great and got a huge pop and stuff. But that was almost like, you know, maybe uh, again, the passing of the torch once again from Hogan and Warrior. Hey, can you carry the ball a little bit while I'm going to go make movies? I'll be back. You know, in many, many months, I'll be back. Maybe I won't be back. Maybe I'm going to be gone for good. Do you think you can carry the ball? Kind of let's, let's see what you could do. And we're going to give you another shot at it as we know, did not end well. And this is kind of like the downturn as we head more towards the new generation era. So, you know, nobody really scored a clean victory. And obviously Hogan didn't get the clean finish here against Sid. No decisive victory over Sid. And like, that's the end of the feud, really. It had all the potential in the world. Anytime you get a Hogan match as a main event, your eyes are on it. Anytime that it's a WrestleMania main event, with the Hulkster, you're paying double the attention to it. And it's got all the attention in the world. And you're selling out the Hoosier Dome in Indiana. It is a big time feud, but it just didn't end the way that you expected. You had some good moments there. The turn by Sid, Sid destroying the barbershop. But, and of course the Royal Rumble 92 with Hogan kind of playing a heel a little bit and pulling Sid out. Starts off interesting, ends kind of like a fart in church. The WB couldn't really book the rematch due to Sid's time in the company ending afterwards. Sid fails a drug test before WrestleMania, like I mentioned, and he's allowed to compete for a little bit after that. Then they're going to go ahead and suspend him. And right after the European tour, in a little bit, like I said, with Boston and Maryland, boom, he's gone. He's suspended. Sid then decides to quit the company, gets in a big fight with Vince, not happy about it. He ends up going to play some softball as the story goes, and then, of course, ends up back in WCW before going back to the WWF in 1995. So, man, this one of those feuds or another what if. This could have been bigger. This could have been better. Maybe if Hogan wasn't going to film the movie, maybe it say doesn't get suspended. You know, Who knows what could have happened with this feud? It just felt like it started hot. It could have been awesome. This could have been the next giant to slay, or this could have been the next Hogan. With Sid, because he was super over everywhere he went, every territory, every promotion. He was always at the top of the card, but something just didn't click. Something just didn't write. It's hard to be, you know, over like Hogan. It's hard to be the man like Hogan. It's hard to fill those shoes. It's almost damn near impossible. A warrior couldn't do it. Sid couldn't do it. And Vince found that out the hard way. So that's it in a nutshell here for this week on the Hogan Era podcast. Really, man, uh, what if, you know, it could have been a, a great feud with Hogan and Sid did not end up that way. But let's hit the plugs. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Two Man Power Trip. Check out the website, tmptempire.com, and, of course, Patreon, patreon.com slash tmptempire. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you right back here next week for the Hogan Era Podcast. See you next week, folks. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash tmptempire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two Man Power Trip, where the power lies brother.